You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What's going on, everybody? John Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. Welcome into the Fantasy Alarm NFL Fantasy Football Podcast here, previewing week 13 of the NFL season. Coop, man, pretty crazy that we're already in week 13. Dude, but at the same time, I feel like I don't have too many teams that are just dead. I wonder... Maybe it's the longer season or what, but I just feel like I've got enough, uh, you know, teams that are surviving. Or maybe that it's because we're professional fantasy football guys that maybe that's part of it too. But but the other part, I just, I don't know. I feel like the league's a little more smoothed out in these years. Uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, reach out to us at jimpemba777 and at Coupe Fiasco. Let us know if your teams are alive, dead, thriving, what's going on. Like, let us know what's up. But I feel like mine are doing pretty well, but... I don't, I don't have a lot that are also like killing it, like super undefeated or anything either. It's just, I feel like I have a lot of teams that are in the hunt. How about you, John? The two, my two primary home leagues, which are the quote unquote big money leagues. Everybody has their own bankroll style, but the two leagues that I've put the most money invested into, I'm doing pretty well in. I'm, uh, I think I'm eight and four in, in one and, and in second place. Another one, I'm six and six tied with like five other teams at six and six. But I'm the third highest overall scoring team. So, like, it's where I'm getting killed with the head-to-head, but my team is performing. So, overall, you know, those teams are doing well. Did have last week, I don't know if you saw my tweet, Coop, won both of my matches by a combined margin of 0.14 fantasy points. Just yeah. edged out wins in those two leagues. So, great, grateful. Thankful to see no stack corrections go my way. So we move on to this upcoming week. And, and we have a lot of news, actually, Coop. And we'll get to it, obviously, as we hit each matchup. But last week was rough for injuries. Big name players going down there. Yeah, pretty brutal. I, I know I saw that you won that you won that matchup on that last DK Metcalf reception, like deep. Yeah, point the, oh, that's zero, deep. Point yeah. 0.02 <laughs> fantasy points I won by. Yeah. And that's why I tell people, and I know Howard Bender is a huge proponent of this, like don't punt positions or even early in the season, even if you're winning by 30, pick up a kicker and put a kicker in there, pick up a tight end, put a kicker in the tight end in there. Like Howard says this time and time again, people say like, oh, I'm just going to punt the position this week. How many races at the end of the year come down to points? I mean, I feel like every year the last team that gets in the playoffs has the same record as everyone else, but they have more points. So don't punt positions ever. Always start someone. Give yourself the best chance to succeed. 100% there. So uh, let's jump into it. We'll kick it off with the Thursday night football game here. We have the Dallas Cowboys against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Saints are four and a half point home underdogs. 47 and a half game total here. And the news around this one is a few items here. One, Taysom Hill announces the starter for the Saints. Two, it looks like Amari Cooper is going to be active for this game. He traveled uh, with Dallas and is expected to be activated after missing uh, the last few games with COVID. And three was the Ezekiel Elliott roller coaster, where following last week's game, we got word that they may sit him, give him some rest on that knee, limit the workload. And then he gets a full practice in, and then Jerry Jones goes out and, and, and gives a great quote being like, he's getting a full load. He is not being limited. <laughs> so it's like, all right, so if you're a Zeke manager, good luck because he's hobbled and the Saints have the number one ranked run DVOA defense. So not a great match for him, but he's saving fantasy owners, Coop, and this is what we've talked about all season long. He gets a passing work. The last week, six catches last week saved him because he only had like nine carries for whatever it was but in ppr leagues he got you like 14 fantasy points because he got the goal line touchdown as well there even though pollard 
did all the work to get him down the field. Yeah, I think Jerry Jones is like me with this like friggin' Peloton bike that we got where it's like Jerry Jones is like, you know what, I'm paying for it. I'm using it, man. Like even when I don't want to, you know what I mean? I'm like, all right, I'm paying for this stupid thing. So let's get after it. And I, if I'm Jerry Jones, man, you're paying that kind of money. If the guy can play, the guy's playing. It's like everybody's hurt at this time of the year. And some guys are injured where they can't play. That's how NFL players look at it. Injured, can't play, hurt, you're playing. So we're going to get a totally new offense from the Cowboys that we saw last week. We're going to get CD. We're going to get Amari. We're going to get Zeke. And the thing with me is I know it couldn't come against a worse team, right? The Saints are very good against the run. But, you know, I'm still starting Zeke where I have him because there's just not enough out there to yeah. for me to bench Zeke. So uh, you know who you're starting from the Cowboys. Dalton Schultz played, I think it was 71 to 74 snaps. You're playing him, right? Even though they're a tough defense for a tight end, unless you have somebody amazing, that's mm-hmm. who you're playing. Because I mean, even the guys that we thought, they're, they're just not enough safe guys. Like even if you have Pitts and Hawkinson and Schultz, it's like, at least Schultz is playing every, he, he ran 51 routes. So interested in those guys with the Saints, with the running back depends on just who's playing, right? If Kamara's playing, you play him. If he's not playing, you play Ingram. If he's not playing, are you playing Tony Jones, John? What do you think? No. God, yeah, Can't no. do it. Yeah. Uh, he should be playing, though. Ingram will get a full practice. Okay, so Ingram's um, in. Yeah, yeah so Ingram's all, good. He's all set. Uh, I would play Ty Montgomery before I played Tony Jones. Right. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, he played a bunch of – he played 25 snaps at running back. So, I mean, he, he pretty much took a good chunk of that work. So, yeah, then I guess for the Saints wide receivers, I'm starting to actually like Traquan Smith more than Marquez Calloway. Am I crazy in that notion – no, to, I mean, uh, listen, like, if, if you've been tuning into a long after hours, which I'm sure you have. I do. I called, <laughs> right, prank called you guys. I prank called you guys, and then the next day, Fensty was like, now you have to come on the show. I am available for alarm, alarm after hours. I check in with you guys, man. I know yeah. it's late on the East Coast, but. Yeah, so I've actually been talking. I do the Fantasy Swamp segment for DFS on Fridays, uh, and I bring up Trayvon pretty much every week. I'm like, listen, he's under 5K. He's becoming the target share leader for that team with Trevor Simeon. Here's where the problem is, right? We go from Jameis Winston, downfield passer, doesn't check it down, chucks it. Trevor Simeon, game manager, check down master, targets the tight ends, targets the underneath guys. Now you have Taysom Hill. RPOs, right? Like play actions. Like what kind of style of passer and where, how does the offense now fit? Because we saw last year, the big worry with Alvin Kamara was they weren't throwing to him as much. A couple of those games were game flow related. He did have one game of like 10 targets, but the narrative, and we talk about it all the time, mobile quarterbacks don't check it down. They rather just run than throw short. So this is something that we're going to have to worry about. But to your point, someone like a Traquan Smith, now he gets downfield a little bit more. The plays get extended because Taysom Hill is scrambling and, and maybe that's good value for him. Yeah. I mean, dude, I, as much as I hate to say it and throw this out into the ether, the creative sneak away guy on that team is kind of Kenny Stills. Yeah, like he's always been that dude. So I, I hate to say, it. I mean, I feel like all these guys can be that guy. Callaway, Drake one, you know, stills plays less than them, which is makes him out of the picture. Deontay Harris as well. I think he's, is he suspended? Is that started now? No, he's, I, so he's appealing. So I think his snap count went down. It went down. Yeah, I think they're, they don't want to rely on a guy like that. So, right. yeah. I mean, if you can avoid all those guys, I would do it, especially in the first game for Taysom Hill. But yeah, that's where you're at. And then I'm not touching any of the tight ends. I was going to say, you called the Nick Vanette touchdown now. I did, yeah, but he only <laughs> ran five routes, which is like ridiculous. Juwan Johnson only ran 18. Nobody really played a full snap share. So I would just avoid those guys if you can. Let's move on to the one o'clock. Yeah, so one o'clock game here on Sunday, the New York Giants going into Miami face the Dolphins are a four point home favorite, just an ugly 40 and a half game total here. 
Uh, Daniel Jones questionable in a next. We could see a Mike Glennon appearance this week, which is just ugly for a bad team. Anyways, I do not have... I'm going to try to pull this up now, but I don't have the updated practice report. Do you know the status here of Shepard and Tony at all, Coop? Do you happen to have that available to you? Um, So I saw that for the Giants, I didn't see much on it. I did see that Devontae Parker is going to play, but I guess we haven't gotten to that team yet. Uh, So Shepard did not. Shepard and Tony both didn't practice today. Okay. Pay attention to here. Not that we want any real action on this team. I mean, even... I think even you have decided to uh, bury the Evan Ingram after last week's performance. So even yeah, I, I thought about throwing out a hey, maybe Mike Glennon with Evan Ingram. I mean, dude, the thing is with Evan Ingram, he played 54 or 60 snaps, ran 34 of 36 routes, yeah. and didn't get targets. Then I mean, against he drew a PI in the end zone. That was his highlight yeah. <laughs> against the giant against a terrible Eagles defense too yeah. for tight end. So I mean, if he's not going to do it in that situation, I hard I find it hard to believe that all of a sudden he's going to. And listen, maybe Glennon just loves him. So, but you, you just can't trust him this week. If Glenn, if Glennon's the guy and he just loves him and then Glennon's the guy for the next Eagles game, then maybe we're back on the radar for DFS. But, you know, for now, just there's better options out there. Yeah. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this, going to the Miami, and we were going to definitely talk about the Devontae Parker thing anyways. Uh, he was expected to resume practicing today. They opened the 21-day window. If he does play this week, He's only $3,900 in DraftKings. I know we talk seasonal fantasy football, but this is more of a matchup preview. Uh, we throw in DFS tidbits here and there. I said the last time that they activated him, Coop, he is the number one receiver on this team. Mm-hmm. Two throws to him a ton, Brissett threw to him a ton. He came back for one game, eight catches, 11 targets, 85 yards against a tough Buffalo team. If he's back and going to start and play this week, Against the Giants, sure, maybe some Bradbury, but Parker's been a very good fantasy receiver this year. He just can't stay on the field. Yeah, I mean, he's looked good. He looked good against the Patriots when we played, uh, so I'm definitely down for that DFS. And honestly, I had him, I had him in a couple of leagues where he ended up on waivers because the last time both them played, what, they both Waddle and Parker got double-digit targets, and mm-hmm. Gusecki was the odd man out. So I'm certainly interested in those guys. Gusecki, I'm still going to start. Um, I heard something today that Will Fuller, man, they said that. He so it was like, oh, broken finger. And you see all these guys playing with broken fingers. So somebody asked Brian Flores about it. And he said, this isn't just your run of the mill broken finger. Like he had pretty significant fracture with a lot of broken bones in this one finger. So I'm not sure how badly he smushed this finger up, but it sounds like it was just completely crushed. You know what yeah. I mean? So doesn't sound great for him coming back in the near future. So until then, I like Kaseki. When he comes back, that's when you get this, the crunch. You know what I mean? Where it gets kind of scary. But I mean, in this matchup, I'm starting Saquon Barkley. I have to. You have to if you have him. And then yeah. Miles Gaskin, you probably do too. You're probably thinking a little bit about Philip Lindsay in the background, but I mean, Gaskin's been the guy, so you, you kind of got to run with him. 100% with you there. Lindsay did, like you said, Lindsay did get 12 the other day. So you got to at least see how that transpires as they move forward because that running back field was an absolute mess before Brown got injured. So we'll see if anything changes on that front. Next matchup, oh man, how is this not a double-digit point spread? I don't really know. Colts on the road against Houston. Houston is a nine-point home underdog, 45-and-a-half game total here. If Jonathan Taylor doesn't run for like 150 yards, it'd probably be a massive upset. Yeah, I mean, this is the absolute slam spot for a player that's been locked in your lineup anyway. But I guess the real question is, like, is he so chalk that you have to have him in your DFS lineup? Like, do you have to at least make one with him? He's the most expensive running back on the slate this week. And here's the thing. We'll talk about our class as we get through it. For DraftKings, 
there are so many running backs and great matchups that is I I wonder if paying up for for Taylor will be contrarian just because of some of the great mid-tier price points that we'll run into, whether it's an Eli Mitchell with no Debo Samuel, Alexander Madison with no Dalvin Cook. Like, there are some uh, really good spots. Joe Mixon even this week. Again, it's, we'll come across it later, but Joe Mixon against the Chargers is a really good matchup as well. Interesting, yeah. So we'll go through some of those. You can just decide for yourself whether you need it or not. But yeah, I mean, if he's the most expensive, then it's easier to pivot, you know? It is, it is. Um, uh, but there's not really much else here. I mean, sure, Pittman's always a guy you can take a look at, but I don't want I don't really want anybody on Houston. I know Cooks no. found the end zone last week. Maybe Brevin Jordan. I think maybe you probably have something yeah, to say about yeah, Mr. Yeah. Brevin Jordan. I've been talking about Brevin Jordan. I think that the, the Texans are in that tank mode. We talked about this last week. I had him in the DFS article as a guy that you can play because they're in they're they've already figured out they're not winning this year. So they're kind of moving towards the younger guys. You've seen more Nico Collins. You're seeing Brevin Jordan play. Jordan Aikens was a healthy scratch two weeks in a row now. So I think they're finally just kind of saying, okay, let's do tryouts here, see who can be the guy moving forward. So Brevin Jordan is kind of interesting in DFS. Can't really trust him in a real league, though. I mean, the Colts are a terrible team versus the tight end. So if you have two tight end leagues with uh, tight end premium, then sure, go to that level. But not quite yet, but maybe stash him. But beyond that, just stay away from this team. And then for the Colts, like you said, T.Y. Hilton just isn't claiming that snap share that we want him to. Zach Pascal's playing a ton of snaps, but he's not really doing a whole lot with them. So it's really just Pittman and that's it. And people keep asking me about Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle only ran 26 routes, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they they threw they had 51 pass, pass plays. He ran 26 routes. Moali Cox ran 22. This is the split that they have. Sure, when you throw 51 times, 26 looks nice. But when you throw a normal 30 or 40 times and that routes run is like 15 or 16, that's the Jack Doyle we've seen most of the year. So yeah. I would not hang your hat on Jack Doyle. Just anyone out there that might have. I, I, I saw legitimate accounts out there saying add Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle is my tight end. Just from my, I don't want to throw any names out there, but just from my experience, like, this situation is one of the biggest trap situations that you could see. This is not an athletic guy. He runs like a, literally a five flat 40. And, and, he, and yeah, somehow he was the highest scoring fantasy tight end last week. I know, but they, like I said, they, you throw 51 times, sure, right? Yeah. It, it gets the, the Buccaneers. Like, not every game's going to be like that. This yeah. game won't be like that. Next matchup that we got here, uh, we have Minnesota versus Detroit, as I alluded to earlier. Dalvin Cook, going to miss at least two weeks. A dislocated shoulder, torn labrum. Alexander Madison steps in now. We saw him fill in. For Dalvin Cook earlier this season and had just an absolute monster performance there for in that expanded role. It was about 120 yards or something like that. And it was actually against these Detroit Lions, 25 for 113. And he also added seven for 40 receiving and a touchdown. So went for 30 fantasy points that day. He's going to be a very highly rostered player this week. This is just a great offense for Minnesota. And what we always talk about is just the consolidation that it has. It's great. Yeah. So you got, you go Madison, Thielen, Jefferson. Those guys are locked into here. Tyler Conklin, I'm a little concerned. He blocked on nine pass plays last week. And we've seen teams against Detroit where they just run the ball heavy. They tight ends just don't, they end up blocking a ton. Yeah. Like George Kittle, week one, perfect example. They just blew him out and they didn't need to use Kittle. So they didn't. So I'm not really sold on Conklin here. On Detroit, Starting Jamal Williams, if you're in a pinch, right? We talked about how Minnesota's not very good against the run, right, John? 25th, I think, against the run here. Oh, give me one second. I, I usually have this ready to go when you call on me. Right, uh, right. Too many things going on. Uh, Minnesota, so got... 29th. 29th now. <laughs> so that's not very good. For those keeping track at home, 
that's not that good. So I think that's a pretty good start for Jamal Williams. TJ Hawkinson, it's a bad matchup. I mean, honestly, it's about individual players more than it is like the team as a whole. And Eric Kendricks, is, he's just playing so well. And he's going to be on him in any man-to-man situation. I know Hawkinson's going to get a few zone situations where he's going to do all right. But I mean, I'm starting him. If I have, if you drafted him and you've been riding him, you got to start him. But it's, it's just be wary. It's not a good matchup. It's probably not a good DFS play. Beyond that, I mean, you start in any, but any of these wide receivers. I, I will note real quick, Almond Ross St. Brown did actually play 15 snaps out wide last week. He's basically only played in the slot this year. This week he did play a little out wide. 15 is the second most he's played all year. So maybe they're, yeah, they're trying to mount him. This is Josh Reynolds. This is what we're looking at, I think. Yeah. I think Josh Reynolds is the best pass catcher there. So if you're going to start anyone from that team, it should be him. Yep. Just trying to give a little hope to the Amon Ross St. Brown people out there. There's not a whole lot of that floating around. So there, There's certainly not a lot of that floating around. Next matchup here, another kind of ugly one. Philadelphia Eagles going into New York to face the Jets' six-and-a-half-point home underdogs, 45-and-a-half game total. As we know, the Jets have allowed the most rushing touchdowns in football this season. Is Philadelphia going to give the the football to any of their running backs, notably Miles Sanders, if he's even not able to play this week after being hobbled at the end there? Yeah, this is another game where I, I don't really want to have any exposure, maybe outside of like Philadelphia's defense. Devonta Smith, I think I saw today, was he either didn't practice or was limited at practice. Hurts had a miserable game throwing the football last week. Yeah. Jets, Tevin Coleman led the team in carries. I mean, just a bunch of grossness in this one. It really, truly is. And I think, like, just looking at these first four games, those, the Indy, Minnesota, Philly, and then the next one we'll talk about, one of these games, at least one of these games is a trap game, right? Like, mm-hmm. touch, touchdown spreads, like, the favorites aren't going to win these all. So there's a mess in here somewhere, and I think that, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this Eagles one was that. You know what I mean? They should win, but it's a weird situation. Miles Sanders is banged up. So Boston Scott played more snaps than him last week. You don't really, it's so difficult to trust any of those guys uh, like you said, I do like Dallas Goddard still against the Jets. He's there. He's there. One of their best pass catchers. He's mm-hmm. the, pretty much the only veteran pass catcher. So I like him. But you know, like you said, you start Hurts, you start Goddard. And then from there, it's all about who else you have on your team. And same with the Jets. It's like, can't trust Elijah Moore with Zach Wilson in there. Tevin Coleman's getting the run plays. Ty Johnson's getting the pass plays. Can't trust the tight end. None of the other wide receivers are playing enough. It's just, like you said, such a mess that... It, Start these guys if you have to. If you can avoid this whole game, though, that's probably the move. Yep. Arizona-Chicago, the news here is Kyler Murray may play. Clingsbury said he's hopeful that both Murray and Hopkins would return. Chicago is an eight-point home underdog, 45-and-a-half game total for this one. I'm trying to see. It looks like Fields was limited with ribs, so we'll see if he starts or not this week. be interesting to see how the Cardinals come out of their bye. Yeah, I mean, I think that given the line and how it hasn't moved a whole lot, I want to say that the news coming out of the bye was that Kyler was gonna pl- is going to play, and they kind of had a good feeling, you know what I mean? Otherwise, you would have seen a bigger swing with this right. news. So I think odds are pretty good that Kyler plays, and you got to start him if you have him because he's just been so good. I mean, the team has been great even without him, you know what I mean? Like, this is prob- with Kyler Murray, this is probably the best team in football. There's an argument to be made, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely interested. I'm starting Zach Ertz in this matchup. It's not a bad match. I mean, the Bears actually aren't that great a matchup, but I mean, with the way he's been playing lately and the the chances that he scores, he's a guy you play. I wish it was a little more consolidated here, though. 
this is the one this is what we talked about with the consolidation because if it was just like Hopkins, Christian Kirk and Ertz, you would love it, right? Yeah. But it, but because you have AJ Green in there because you have Ronda Moore mixing around in there, it just makes it a little it's more of a guessing game. It's kind of annoying. With the it Bears, is. you can play Connor. Uh Connor is Connor uh, you play. Yeah. You know, he's there, there's no Edmund. You know, the Bears run defense isn't what it used to be. They rank 19th in DVOA, so bottom third of the league. And he's been a touchdown machine. So, right. with, so yeah, he, I believe he's been still out. And Nick's and Keem Hicks has been out as well, a big guy in the middle there. Uh, and with Kyler still a little bit banged up, he's probably not looking to run at all. So Connor should be kind of should be the guy. Yep. Bingo. Yeah. And then on the Bears side, you do actually have a pretty good consolidation, assuming Al Robinson's out. He wasn't close to playing last week, so but maybe he'll be back. I mean, have you heard anything on that beat yet? I mean, it's so tough that we record these on Wednesday because Wednesday's the veteran day off. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah, didn't practice, we, hasn't practiced since before before their bye in week ten. So mm. you know, not looking good. Even if he does play though, it's, he he's not really an impact player. So sad to say. Yeah, even then though, it's like. In this game, there's really only two guys that I'm starting because the Arizona Cardinals are the number one team against the tight end. Very specifically, Isaiah Simmons. Like, this guy, he's an animal, man. I mean, we did see, like, against the Packers, they put him on Aaron Jones, and he was covering Aaron Jones straight up on, like, like wheel routes and, and fade routes because the Packers didn't have a tight end. But, yeah. you know, when they put him on a guy, he just erases that player. And so I think Cole Komet's in for a world of hurt this week. And I think Darnell Mooney is the guy that you want if you're going to pick anyone from this team for DFS or for your regular lineups. Beyond that, I'm just, you know, and obviously David Montgomery. But beyond that, I'm just not, I'm not interested. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. And even Montgomery, kind of a tough matchup for them, being an eight-point underdog. Unlikely he's going to get a high carry workload, maybe some involvement in the passing game. Uh, I just don't know who you bench him for. It's it's like yeah, it's such a rough situation. You know what I mean? Like I guess no, if, yeah. if, if you were in a situation where you had like let's say you had Joe Mix, you have to start two running backs, right? And you have Joe Mixon, David Montgomery, and you had Alexander Madison on the bench. I mean, I would go with Madison. I would sure. go with yeah. yeah. If you have a real strong matchups, but if you're playing the guessing game with like a Miles Sanders or somebody, you just take the you just take the carries for David Montgomery. Speaking of Joe Mixon, next matchup: Chargers versus the Bengals. Here, the Bengals are a three-point home favorite. 50 and a half game total, highest that we've covered so far, and the highest actually on the slate. This is an interesting one for a few reasons. As we mentioned, the Chargers still dead last in DVOA against the run. We saw both Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams last week have success running the football. Joe Mixon, the last two weeks carrying the football, was like 30 and 28 carries for the charge for the Bengals. Now they were up big in those games, so it gave them the workload, but the 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 carry flow is going in that direction anyways. I I actually was I rostered Joe Mixon in DFS last week because for the weeks prior I was banging my head against the wall playing Joe Burrow in this passing offense because Chase and Higgins and Burrow like oh my they're this great offense and they they want to give Joe Mixon the football. Joe Mixon had nine touches, eight carries, one reception on the first drive against Pittsburgh last week. They wanted to establish the run against Pittsburgh. Why? Because Pittsburgh is not a good run defense anymore either. They're in 24th uh, this year. So Joe Mixon had 21 carries, I think it was. It was either 20 or 21 carries at halftime. They, yeah. they they were running the football big time. And now you have the worst run defense in football. I, I think you got to just play Joe Mixon again this week. I, I, I can't see how all of a sudden they're going away and, and letting Burrow in the passing attack do the work. 
Right. I'm right there with you. And just to put in perspective, like John looks at the DVOA. If you just look at the way he gives this info, he's looking at the DVOA, which is the superior statistic, right? In terms of figuring out who's the best at pass rush. But I have the raw numbers in front of me. And we talked about, right, Minnesota being 29th, right? The 28th through 31st worst teams. The difference between those guys is in yards per game is just 133 yards per game, 235. So the 28th worst team is giving up 133 yards per game. That's Pittsburgh, who he just played. The 31st, which is the second worst, which is Houston, is giving up 135. The Chargers are letting up a full 10 yards worse than that per game, 145 yards per game. They are far and away giving up the most rushing yards per game to teams. So Joe Mixon is an absolute slam spot this week. And if you're someone like me who like throws red zone on one TV and then just like a full game on another TV, this is the game you want on the TV at one o'clock. It's yeah. a, it's the only game that has a 50 point over under. It's one of the only games that even has a spread. That's reasonable. I mean, a three point spread for the home team basically means it's a pick. It's mm-hmm. as close to even as it gets. So this is the game you want on. It's a good game. It's going to be a fun one. So with the Chargers, you start Keenan Allen, you start Austin Eckler, you start Justin Herbert. You can't trust Jared Cook. He's not playing enough stats, snaps. I actually just tweeted out teams that like, I have to imagine that teams are using this statistic. I think I talked about it last week with Jared Cook, how he was playing. He played 38, pa- he played 38 snaps, 34 were pass plays the week before last. This week, he played 37 and 36 were pass plays. Teams have to be recognized. Like if you're a defensive coordinator and you see Jared Cook go on the field, I mean, it's a pass. It's yeah. I, so I I don't know if it's by design that they're doing that, but I mean, someone's got to be catching on to this because I mean, he was out there for one run play. I mean, come on. Yeah. So I, I can't trust the guy because he's not playing full snap share. But I mean, if I'm the Bengals defensive coordinator, I'm just going to the guys in the room, the guy with the green dot. And I say, hey, you know what? If this guy's on the field, the odds are pretty. Di- the last two weeks, it's been 90 uh, 7% has been a pass play. So, yeah. So Mike Williams, what are we doing? I mean, we, it's the question every week, right? I mean, it it's, is, yeah, it is a question every week. I mean, listen, last week, I like the target share was there at least uh, mm. last week. So I'm willing to run it back with Mike Williams. If you have right. him in your lineup, um, <laughs> because what are your other options, right? Like few players have his upside. It's a high game total. You're expecting it to be back and forth. The chargers continue to have like a terrible schedule. Right. Home, and then they travel big time road. Home, travel big time road. Now they go back from a home game last week. or No, they're on the road. They're on the road in Denver. On the road in Denver. And now yeah. they're, and on, they're the on the road, road again. again in Cincinnati. So, mm-hmm. like, they just haven't had. And then they get a home game versus the Giants, but then the very next game, Kansas City comes to town. So, yeah. it's <laughs> just not. Yeah, it's a rough schedule. I, would... I want to circle back to Austin Eckler here real quickly. Obviously, you're always playing Austin Eckler, right? Mm-hmm. So, we're not saying. There's, I'm not telling you anything you don't always know, but. We like to highlight matchups where you think maybe a player could perform above expectation. This is going to be one of those weeks, I think, for Eckler. Cincinnati has allowed 81 receptions to running backs, which is the second most. Only one catch behind Seattle, who over actually overtook them for allowing the most receptions in football. But they've also allowed the second most rushing touchdowns to run as well. 14 rushing touchdowns allowed by the Chargers. So basically, if you're a running back and you're going up against the Los Angeles Chargers, as we mentioned, you just ball out. Right. We already talked about they've allowed the most yards, second most touchdowns and the second most receptions. What does Austin Eckler love to do? Catch the football. So there's probably no overall best matchup for a running back this season than this one right here for Austin Eckler. So, yeah. so yeah. stack them up, dude. Forget, there, there's your answer right there. Forget Jonathan Taylor. Just stack the running backs in this game. And if all goes according to plan and the Bengals 
come out, start leading the game, you get the them the ground and pound from from Mixon and the Joe Lombardi checkdown show to Austin Eckler on the losing team. I mean, that that could be an absolute like this game could just be like pumping out points for fantasy for DFS. So yeah, for sure. I actually said that wrong. The Bengals, I sorted it incorrectly. The Bengals have allowed eight rushing touchdowns, still within the top 12 of rushing touchdowns allowed. So still the number two most receptions allowed. I had it sorted incorrectly there, but still a good team that you can run uh, the football against. So this is just a good spot there for Eckler this week against Cincinnati. Next matchup, Tampa Bay versus Atlanta. 50 game total in this one, just a half point shy of the game previously, but we have an 11 point spread here. Atlanta, 11 point home underdog. Well, we have Tampa Bay on the road again here, too. Mm-hmm. They finally covered a spread last week, barely. It took a, a Lenny Fournette closeout touchdown, and then they almost gave it up with the kick return with, like, 10 seconds left there at the end of the game. Atlanta is so bad, though. I mean, I guess the one potential would be the defensive coordinator for Atlanta. We talked about this when they faced New England. was Dean Pease. Uh, he knowed how to, like, shut down a Patriots offense. Tampa Bay sort of runs a similar thing. He's to defend Tom Brady. Would he give them any trouble here with Tampa Bay being on the road again? I mean, I don't know. They looked a little bit better last year. Tom Brady's numbers weren't great last week, rather, but they they still scored four touchdowns. Just three of them, uh, or four of them, were on the on the ground, right? Like Fournette had three rushing. Ronald Jones had one rushing. So it's uh it's an interesting spot here. Yeah, I mean, you start Brady, you start Evans, you start Godwin, you start Gronk, and you start Fournette, right? Like that's I mean, I just. Against the Falcons in a game like this, the 50-point over-under and the big spread, like, I mean, you just, I, you, there's no way you have better players. You know what I mean? So I'm in for all those guys. On The real question is if you're starting any Falcons outside of Cordero Patterson. And it boils down to Pitts. I think if I'm the Pitts owner, this is my make-or-break week. I'm starting him against Tampa Bay. We just watched, we've watched tight ends have good weeks against Tampa Bay for a good chunk of the season. They're not a good defense versus the tight end. And in these back against the wall games, it's not a bad spot for Pitts. I mean, they're not good versus the pass in general. So I'm liking Pitts. And then if Pitts doesn't do anything, then you can probably just move on from him. As bad as that sounds, he needs Ridley if that's the case. But is there anybody else you're starting? Russell Gage, Tajay Sharp? I mean, I mean listen, you can, you can throw Gage out there. I mean, if we're, if we're looking at a 50-point total with a double-digit spread, they're going to try to throw here at least uh, maybe you get some garbage time garbage time work in that one but no one's exciting no one's jumping off the page here but you're definitely not playing like a mike davis or anything like that that's one o'clock man bunch of blow looks like a, a ton <laughs> yeah. of seven point spreads right i mean yeah the only games that aren't essentially touchdown spreads are the giants dolphins which is four points and then the chargers Bengals, which is three so that's why that chargers Bengals game is going to be the best one if you can only watch one game it should be that one 100%. Let's, let's hit four o'clock yeah four o'clock here we have washington football team going to las vegas to face the raiders uh raiders are a two and a half point home favorite here 49 and a half game total in this one darren waller injured last week unlikely to play this week so it's a big blow obviously to to the raiders offense here uh and then deshaun jackson uh, was limited with a calf injury today. So we'll have to see if that's something that progresses over the next couple of days. Obviously, he had that one big touchdown catch uh, on Thanksgiving. Still only four targets. Uh, I think his snap count got up to like 40%. Something like that is certainly on the rise. With Waller being out, Foster Moreau likely steps into that spot. Not that you want to go and rely on him at all. But I mean, a large target share 
is now going to be dispersed amongst the Raiders receivers. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Foster Moreau for me is this. Like, this team has struggled to find pass catchers. We've seen so many teams use multiple tight end sets and have success, you know, with Joku and Hooper and to some degree success, right? So with this team struggling with all these pass catchers, I look at the fact that this guy only has 12 catches this year, and it, that to me, that's a red flag, man. It's like he should have carved out himself a role. I mean, so there's so many two tight end sets. And this team it, themselves, they use two tight end sets, a third of the snaps. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm a little hesitant to just throw, say, oh, he's Waller now and throw him in here. I mean, Waller wasn't even that efficient with the targets. So I'm not really super sold on Foster Moreau, not to mention he's, he's probably going back to the bench when Waller gets back. So it's not even a it's a permanent fix but you know if you have waller and you just picked up moreau to be the guy and you have no one else out there then go for it but mm-hmm. for me i'm not super interested there you're gonna start josh jacobs you can't really start Kenyon drake he's just not getting enough snaps washington side's much easier right you start you're starting antonio gibson with mckissick banged up and yep. he's got a neck situation you're starting logan thomas right and you're starting terry mccorn curtis samuel what are your thoughts, man? Can you do it yet? I, nah, I told somebody yeah. to drop him the other day. People are trying they're trying to start Curtis Samuel. I mean, I don't know. I feel like we're running out of time here. Right. There's a lot of other options in that offense where I don't see where he fits. He's missed so much time. I just don't know. I just don't know what, what his role will be right away. So yeah. they like DeAndre Carter, clearly, right? Yeah. Like he made some clutch plays. I mean, he made some nice plays. So I agree. Uh, yeah, it might be a little spread out after that. But you start those guys are locks. And the Raiders are one of the worst teams versus the tight end. So Logan Thomas is kind of in a jam spot. We love to see it. So yeah, you got him? Start I agree him. with you on that one. <laughs> I told you he's actually dropped in a league of mine where I have no fab money left because I had to use it all on injuries. So I'm just Setting my alarm for like 3 a.m. on Friday when waivers clear, ready to pick that's, it up. That's like that dream where like you're trying to run and you can't get traction, or you're like throwing punches and they don't like move. You, yeah. you know, don't even fab and you're just sitting right there. You can't get them. But. Can't get them. I, I know. So go. Why would you even drop them? But I mean, I'm I got Patty Fryermuth who's in concussion protocol right now, waiting for a, a Logan Thomas would be nice, even in a flex play for me. All right, next matchup here, another big blowout scenario. Jacksonville goes into LA to face the Rams. 13 point favorites is Los Angeles, a 48 game total. Uh, a few injuries to note here for the Rams, uh, as we saw last week. It uh, looks like OBJ dealing with some sort of potential back issue there. We saw him get the heat wrap on him and, and seems a little bit labored. So he was limited at practice. And then Daryl Henderson didn't practice on Wednesday with a thigh injury. Something else to monitor Sonny Michelle waiting in the wings there. Dude, so this team, the Rams, on the snap count guy, right? So they have the most consolidated offense possibly that I've ever seen. So last week, right, you have 11 starters on a team. Last week, of their 11 starters, 10 of them played 61 of 62 snaps at least. I mean, eight of them played 62 of 62. Van Jefferson played 61. Odell played 61, right? So that's 10 guys. The other starter, Daryl Henderson, played 50 of 62. They basically had Sony Michelle play 12 snaps. Kendall Blanton played one, and Landon Akers played one. So this team is basically using just 11 guys. If Daryl Henderson's out, they might just use exactly 11 and just use Sony Michelle all game. So I love the consolidation. It's good for fantasy. It's bad for keeping guys healthy, though. When you're playing every single snap, you're bound to – get tired, get hurt. I mean, it's kind of rough, but you start Cooper Cup, start 
Stafford if he's a go, right? And then yeah, you're playing that whole offense. Play the news, yeah. I mean, Van Jefferson's even getting targets too. He's not catching a whole lot of them, but I mean, he's getting he's them. to the house when he catches yeah. them though. Yeah. Big plus. Tyler Higby, 62 of 62 snaps for him too, right? So it's like if your back is against the wall, you go there. We don't love it because we like top targets on the team, not the third or fourth. But there's deep leagues out there, or there's leagues where you just need someone to knock at you at zero. There's no question Tyler Higby every week is going to catch at least a pass or two. So. That's that on that side. Uh, On the other side of the ball, Jaguars, man, James O'Shaughnessy. I mean, he's back in the captain's chair. I can't believe I'm saying it, but he's a guy that has to be added because the way that this offense runs, they use a tight end in that spot and he's in that spot again. Dan Arnold's out. So he has to be added where tight end is thin. Beyond that, do you like anybody else? No, not at all. Zero. Zero. uh, (laughs) For real. Even James Robinson's now splitting with Carlos Hyde. It's yeah. just a nightmare over there. So yeah, he fumbled last week and they yeah, they put they put Hyde in for some series. So or, Baltimore Pittsburgh's the next one. Big divisional matchup here. Lamar Jackson did not look good last week, but then neither did Pittsburgh. He got blown out by Cincinnati. I think we do like though about these offenses that you kind of know where the football goes, right? Uh you know, Freeman's the running back. It looks like he's definitely hopped Latavius, Hollywood, Bateman, Andrews. Yeah, the, the the thing with we warned we warned warned about this with the Ravens this whole time that they're gonna get these tight ends back. They're gonna get they have the fullback. Like when you look at the snaps out of 80 snaps, Hollywood played 61. We like that. Patrick Ricard's playing 59 snaps, right? And then the other tight ends combined for another like 40. Uh, the other tight ends combined for 35, right? Here are the other wide receivers. Rashad Bateman, 36. Devin DuVernay, 35. Sammy Watkins, 35. So those guys are kind of splitting with the tight ends. I mean, that's not even a 50% snap share. 36 out of 80 snaps. And all three of them played the same amount. Like, it's it just, it's scary to me. I like Hollywood. I like Andrews. I like Freeman. The rest of them are concerning. If you have to pick one, it's Bateman, right? Or DuVernay. No, I, would, I, I would play Hollywood. I would. Oh, no, no, I'm saying you pay, you oh, Hollywood's in. Hollywood's in. He Hollywood played double the rest of those guys. I'm saying you have Hollywood in there. I'm saying if you have to pick oh, one yeah. of them, DuVernay. Nah, and Sam. Yeah, it's, it's Bateman, yeah. yeah. Unless you have return yard points and then you pick DuVernay. <laughs> like you do in your draft. <sighs> I mean, he's been a wagon in that league. I'm not yeah. kidding. Flip side, Deontay Johnson, Fry Muth, if he's active, Najee Harris. I mean, that's the crew. I mean, it's easier that way. Najee's locked in. Fryermuth, if he's playing, he's in. I'm not going to get too cute with Zach Gentry if Fryermuth is out. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to go and get weird like that. They might call up Jay Sternberger from the uh, practice squad. Like, don't do that. So just stick with the classics on this team. If you, if Especially if Fryermuth is out, get Claypool and Deontay in uh, DFS and just be happy with the consolidation for one. Definitely. Uh, next matchup that we got, San Francisco versus Seattle. Seattle continues to look absolutely atrocious for their home. Uh, San Francisco, no Debo Samuel this week, so we'll see what happens with that offense. You're probably going to bump up. Kittle probably going to get a bump up. Eli Mitchell, man, I think this is, you know, I mean, he's already getting a ton of volumes. So I can't tell you anything you don't already know, but this is a spot where I'm just expecting him to get a ton of volume. Right. I mean, like, Trent Williams, you can pencil him in right now for first-team All-Pro. Right. Like he's probably having one of the best years that we've seen from a tackle. I mean, he's killing the grades. He's not getting penalties like so he's a beast. Elijah Mitchell, maybe on the outside, the deep outskirts of offensive rookie of the year. I know he missed time, which you have to be amazing if you're not a quarterback. It's probably Mac Jones, but still he's been cool. He's been good. So if you got Elijah Mitchell, you got lucky, honestly, man, because Trey Sermon was going ahead of him in every single league. 
there wasn't a league where you draft Elijah Mitchell over Trey Sermon. So, but good for you for keeping your ear to the streets. That's how you prove the true gamers from the other ones, the people that pay attention, get these guys off waivers. So I feel like Elijah Mitchell, if you have him on your team, that's a badge of, of honor for you for being someone that pays attention. So, yeah. so Elijah Mitchell, you start him. Kittle, you start him. Not touching the quarterbacks. Not touching any of the wide receivers there, right? No, not yeah. really. Then the Seahawks, it's nice and simple. Lockett, Metcalf, kind of got it. Maybe not so, in theory it is, right? But, you know, there's no way. Russell Wilson's not healthy. I, they say, oh, yeah, he's he's not getting any – he's not taking any time off because he's healthy or whatever. Dude, that, if anyone saw that pass to Gerald Everett on the comeback last week, that it, it wasn't even within – like, the, the defenders weren't close. And the pass wasn't even near the defenders. That's how bad it was. Like, right. so it, 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 there's no way he's healthy. The running backs there, are you doing anything with that running back mix with Seattle, John? That's the question, really. That's the only well, question. You just I signed think. Adrian Peterson today. Did you see that? <laughs> Awful. No, you don't. You don't play anybody in that backfield. He hasn't had, Collins hasn't had more than 10 carries in four straight weeks. Only once this year is he topped like 50 yards rushing. No, I am. Let's check the schedule real quick. Let's, is there even going to be a positive game script for this team in the future? Like, oh, they get the Texans next week. So maybe, you know. Next week when they have Adrian Peterson active and ready to go. Right. And so he's going to get his nine carries for 27 yards and ruin everything. This is their schedule. Texans, Rams, Bears, and then Lions Championship Week. Yeah, then, that's why I took Russell Wilson. I thought he was going to cook. I was like, ooh, championship week, Lions. If mm. I get to the title game, I got Wilson, and I was stacking. I told you, I was stacking with either Lockett or right. Metcalf in a lot of leagues. So I was banking on that connection, and uh, now we're... Big if, if you get to the title game there. So, yeah, kind of rough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. And then on to the Sunday night City, game. Sunday night football, a uh, surprising... Matchup for the division lead here. If Denver wins, they'll be seven and five. Kansas City would drop to seven and five. That being said, Denver is a ten-point home underdog. I'm sure they wish they kept Von Miller at this point. Now that they have a chance to win the NFC East, sorry, the AFC West had that completely wrong. Now they have a chance to win the AFC West. Kansas City coming off a bye. They had an ugly win against Dallas before that. Oh, have they righted the ship yet? Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting one. I'm surprised that the spread is so high because the Broncos have been good. I mean, their run game's been good. Pass game's been whatever. But, I mean, it's just, I don't know. Ten points feels like a lot. What do you think? Do you think t- it's in Kansas City? It gets loud. Yeah. It's, it's going to be loud. Fair. Here's the problem, right? Like, we don't believe that the Broncos' offense could ever keep up in a shootout, mm. right? We're, we need their hopeful to control the clock on the ground, play good defense, and, and again, Mahomes in that offense hasn't looked right. So there's a chance that they can keep this game within range. And if they do run the football with Williams and Gordon and control the game in in that direction, then it's possible. Kansas City, 28th DVOA against the run. So fourth worst team, how they want to play offense there. It could definitely be a game. Now Denver's defense itself, not great. 18th and 26th respectively against the pass and run. So, and them being on the road, I, it doesn't seem likely they keep this one close, right. but they certainly have the guys to control a game like that. Yeah, Kansas City coming off the bye, too. So uh, they're going to be fresh. They're going to be ready. So, yeah, I can see that. It's just you look at some of these other division games, it's like even where the Seahawks are so bad, they're, they keep it close. Vegas keeps it close. So we'll see. Okay, so with Kansas City, you start Kelsey, you start Tyreek, you start Mahomes. 
don't love the split between Edwards Lair and Daryl Williams. What it looks like Daryl Williams is going to get re- retain some of that pass work, right? Yeah, well, he kind of had that role before. He was sort of their third down goal line guy, yeah. uh, which is why we hated CEH. They weren't giving him that run. Right, right. Yeah, it's uh, the classic Malcolm Brown third down goal line role that yeah. nobody likes. So yeah, I mean, start him where start him where you have to, right? That's a flex. If your back's against the wall, you start those guys, but kind of tough. And then I'm not touching any of the wide receivers, man. But if you're a shout out to the return guy leagues, Byron Pringle, he's getting some snaps, but I mean, you just can't trust any of them. Then with the Broncos, I mean, you, it, the Broncos are another team that's in that same boat where we're talking about like Mike Williams. That's like, I feel like Cortland Sutton falls into that category of if you have somebody better, then go that way. And if not, then at least he's going to get a few looks, right? Sutton, right. Judy, Patrick, even I guess, Fant, it's just They've locked this offense up for the next, like, four years. Everybody. Fant. Because Fant and Judy have the fifth-year options on their rookie contracts, so they're tacking another year onto those deals. And then now they just locked up Fant and Sutton. It feels like they're making a – they're posturing for a quarterback next year, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's all we can really say about that offense. So let's let's hit them on that. Listen, I mean – that's all they're missing, right? All they're missing is a quarterback. Mm. But you can say about, like, every team in the league, but – if Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay, right? Like you wave your hands, hey Aaron, we have Judy, we have Fant, we have Sutton, we have Patrick, we have an elite ground game, we have a good offensive line. We'll use our entire draft on defense. Be the Peyton Manning after he left the Colts and and win a Super Bowl. So I can Tom, Tom Brady set the tone for that, right? Yeah. Like people are trying to get that gig. So it'd be fun. I think. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that one. And we'll finish it off here with the Monday Night Football showdown between our New England Patriots against the Buffalo Bills here. Buffalo, a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. Thoughts here, Coop? Where do we, what are we believing in in this matchup? So, first of all, I'm claiming this, and it's hard not to be at least a little biased, but so I'm going to claim this spread as a Patriots moral victory, right? The home team gets three points. It's two and a half. That means that Vegas likes us a little bit. So, But either way, you know what? I'll say this is a victory for all football fans. How many bad Monday night games have there been? This one could be bad, but at least the setup for it is great. But in theory, this should be a really good game, right? So at least we get a good one here, or in theory. The Bills and Patriots are brutal tight end matchups versus each other. I posted some stats on it before that the Patriots haven't let up 100 yards to a tight end since 2018 in a game. They've played Travis Kelsey in his career seven times, and he's never had 100 yards. And in the last five years, he's hasn't averaged more than 50 yards. We're talking about Travis Kelsey, one of the best guys out there. Kyle Van Noy is the third-ranked linebacker in pass coverage. Adrian Phillips is the fourth-ranked safety in pass coverage. Like, it's just – it's not a good spot for him. They're going to try and take JC. Uh, they're going to try and take JC Jackson and, and McCordy and take Diggs away. You got to imagine because that's kind of their mo, right? Take away your best weapon. So, could be a Manny Sanders and uh, Cole Beasley game. Play a little get that guessing game there. But you know, it's this could just be a slow grind game. A 43 and a half over under could be one of those games. On the Patriots side, John, who are you liking in this matchup? Who like I know Hunter Henry's got a bad matchup with Matt Milano. Can't really trust John Smith, so the tight ends I'm out on, but uh, are you feeling anybody else on the uh, Pat side? I mean, what do we believe in this defense, right? I guess that's the Trey White's out for the year. So the here's year. what here's what I got to figure out. What do we believe in the defense? What do we believe in the Patriots' knowledge of the Bills' defense? Because, again, it's unfair to compare, but Tom Brady made a living 
tearing up the Buffalo Bills with the way they play defense. He just picked them apart every single time they played together. Mac Jones has incredible accuracy. He's not Tom Brady. I'm not trying to make that comparison, but I'm saying like, if they have the formula to defeat this defense, they can essentially dink and dunk their way through this zone defense that they play. Plus Buffalo, no Tredarius White out for the year with the torn ACL. The one thing that's been made big recently, and Coop, I don't know if you tune into the local radio shows around here. I'm always banging my head against listening to Talk Sports Radio, but in recent weeks, uh, a common theme between both the Titans and the Falcons has been the, I guess, a safety or a nickel blitz has been getting through to Mac, and he's not really picking up and seeing that. So I wonder if that's something that Buffalo utilizes here as well. Kevin Byer knifed right through the defense a couple times with the safety blitz last week, yeah. uh, and the, he didn't get touched. Yeah. So, you know. so that's been something that I guess has been noticed since the Atlanta game, that they've been getting through with these nickel or safety blitzes. Something to watch, obviously, but... That's miss, that's where you miss James White, right? Yeah. Because you got to have... Stevenson that, and Harris trying to pass block. You got to have somebody that can pick that up. Bolden's got to step up and pick those up. I think it's where it's got to be. But I think you're right, man. I think uh, what what you're saying to me, man, kind of translates to a Jacoby Myers game, no? Right. That, I mean, Bourne as well. Bourne, uh, Bourne did all the work on the yardage. Like, Mac Jones threw for 320 yards, but, like, he threw, like, a, an eight-yard pass to Kendrick Bourne, and he did the work, right? Like, so maybe this isn't an Aguilar game, but, like, Kendrick Bourne and, um, and Jacoby Myers for sure – I think are, are strong plays. Does Bourne play in the slot? Do you know, or does he play on the so, outside? So Bourne plays on the outside, and it's a very weird split where they use they basically use Nikhil Harry for pass downs, and they use Kendrick Bourne. Sorry, they use Nikhil Harry for the rundowns, and they use Kendrick Bourne for pass downs. Listen to this crazy split here. Nikhil Harry played 16 snaps, 14 were run plays, only two pass plays. Kendrick Bourne only played 33 snaps but 29 were pass plays. So even though Jacoby Myers played 52 snaps and Bourne only played 33, Myers is only out there for five more pass plays than Kendrick Bourne. So Bourne is definitely a guy that they love in the pass play. And I'll, I'll tell you this, I was there at the game, man. They love this guy. Like I, I've never seen a dude have more secret handshakes and like <laughs> fist bump stuff and like giving hugs and daps, and, you know, giving hugs to like work crew. Dude, before the game, they like lined up to do like to go through their warm up drills, and he lined up from across from Jalen Mills, and they did like a, a handshake that was so long that the the ball got snapped, and they were still giving daps, and then he ran his route. It was like like I, the chemistry there seems to be there, and I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up being a long term asset. Whether that translates to fantasy, who knows? But it's pretty clear that uh, that they do like that having that guy around. So yeah, shout out yeah. to Howard Bender who was first on the Kendrick Bourne train like two years ago when he was with San Francisco for all those end zone vultures. I, I don't know where to go with the fan, the fantasy relevant players on these, in this game. Truth right. Yeah. And I mean, like it's kind of the nightmare situation we thought it would be with, run, with running back yeah. when it's just one running down back and one pass down back. Like it was with Sony and James White for a while there. That's tolerable. When now that it's Jamin Harris and Ramondre Stevenson splitting half of a job, <laughs> and, you know what I mean? It, it's brutal. Yeah. Again, back against the wall type plays. So. Yeah. I mean, even on the other side, I don't really know who I like. You can't play, you can't really play Knox. Patriots are really good against tight ends. Kyle Duggar, McCourty, they have guys that can handle that. Yeah. You don't play the running backs, even though Matt Breida has come on a little bit. Zach Moss, healthy, scratched last week. So probably out, but maybe back in. I don't know how they're going to handle that. It's going to be a gritty football game. You start Josh yeah, Allen, yeah, start this, Honestly, this might be like a Cole Beasley game. Yeah. Like, that could be a guy... 
uh, that gets it done. So but that wraps up our look here. Week 13, which means it is time for our lifestyle tip of the week. Yeah. What do we got? The last couple of weeks, what I, I did like a little personal finance thing. We talked about some some clothing stuff. I'm, bring, dude, I'm bringing it back to something that uh, in my life has been super helpful. And that's a style of cooking here, John. I'm not sure how familiar you are with sous vide and immersion circulators. I, you, I have I have seen the show Burnt, so I'm a little bit uh, a little familiar with. It. Have you seen the movie Burnt before? No, no, I yeah, haven't. check it out. It's got Bradley Cooper, and it's pretty good. It's about a chef thing. Anyways, go ahead and continue. Yeah, so it's like some people. It's not some people, you know, say that it's 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 not the ideal way to cook stuff or whatever. But for me, it's perfect, especially because my girlfriend's a nurse. She works like crazy hours, especially if you like marinating things. Basically, the idea is you fill these bags. And you put them into, you put this like this, the emergent circulator is called in water and it heats the water up. And then you put the bag with the food in there and it heats it up to the exact temperature you want. And then from there, you might do like, for instance, I've done steaks in there where I cook them to the exact temperature I want. And then I pull them out and just, uh, you throw them on the cast iron, bing, bang, crisp up the sides. They come out perfect. Certain things in there are no brainers, right? Corn on the cob, I'll never cook with anything else again, because you just take the corn put it in the bag with butter and salt and you know, seasoning what else see seal it up throw it in there you can literally boil it with the butter on it like it's outrageous certain things like that you know, it's and you can cook it for hours at times so sometimes i'll wake up in the morning throw something in there and have it cook for six hours at a certain temperature pull it out it's ready to go when we get home from work it's like a beautiful thing so i don't know john you you it might be something that you'd be interested in man because it's like precision temperature. like a sous vide machine for this or like you just cook you're just boiling it in a bag like so it's special a, a, bags for a, it right so the bags they just need to be uh, like bp if you just type in suit like now these days like bowls will say like whether they're microwave safe now bags say whether they're sous vide safe or not it's popular enough that that's out there you get a emergent circulator from different places anova is the one we got it from and then you just need something to cook it and just fill it with water i'm telling you it seems like a whole endeavor but when you go and just look at some recipes and stuff, it makes your life just honestly it makes my life a lot easier because I'll marinate stuff in the bags and then I'll just take them and throw them in there for however long at the temperature and boom, done, ready to go. Yeah. So uh, sous vide, check it out. If you're somebody that's on the go and you want to cook, you want to cook meals and stuff, but don't really have time or it's kind of like crock pot where you can just yeah. throw it in there, leave it in there. It's similar to that, but you can do so many different things with it. And it's a beautiful thing. So check it out. Sous vide, S-O-U-S. V-I-D-E, and then if you search that, you'll see whether it's for you or not. But for me, I love that stuff. Yep, uh, that's, that's a good one. I also like the uh, the reverse searing method. We're yes. talking about cooking styles. If you're cooking steaks, check out the, reserve, the reverse sear. Basically, never cook the steak another way after that. I've also, this is a Gordon Ramsay thing. When I make scrambled eggs now, instead of using a frying pan, I use like a small, it adds depth apparently to it and makes it, uh, it cooks it different, a little bit easier when it's in a pan as opposed to, in uh, like a saucepan as opposed to like a frying pan. So, bro, the reverse here is exactly how you do how I do all this stuff. It's just instead of doing it in the oven, you yeah. do it in the sous vide, right? So you yeah. put the steak in the sous vide till it's like just before the temperature you want, and it'll cook it exactly the temperature, and then you do the reverse here at the end. So it's like killer crust on there, man. So yep, definitely. Uh, so, get, so that that's gonna wrap up our podcast this week here. Uh, Coop, I'm gonna get you over on Twitter at Coop Fiasco, all the content here at Fantasy Alarm. Get us in the Discord. You can also, maybe Coop will decide to show up this week on our live stream. <laughs> it's one week. 8 o'clock to noon on Sunday. I'll be there for sure. 
Because I don't, but you know, Cooper had to go to a Patriots game. Oh, I, Patriots I game. already swore off one o'clock games. I tell yeah. you and I talked about this. No more one o'clock games for me. No more four o'clock games either. I'll be available. If I can get tickets to a night game, I'll do that. Okay. Yeah. So sorry to the fans out there for letting me have a little fun one time. I'll be available for game day for y'all. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Coop and I will be here 11 to 12 Sunday live stream. Getting you guys start sit and active, reacting to all of the news. But for now, we'll catch you guys later.